0: In this series, we're learning how to pray from the Lord's Prayer. If you'd like to grow in your practice of prayer, you can find some basic resources on our website at citizenselmira.ca under the resources heading. The Lord's Prayer. We're spending the next five weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer. And prayer is something we definitely do corporately, But it's also something that most of us do uh, privately or quietly on the side. And we're even encouraged in Scripture to do that. The verses leading up to these verses that we just read in Matthew 6, Jesus actually addresses this very issue kind of leading into the Lord's Prayer. Here's what he says in verses 5 and 6. And when you pray... hidden act in many ways. And there's a, a movie I watched this last year called A Hidden Life. I don't know if anybody's seen that one. It's the story of Franz Jagerstatter. That's a German name, okay? I tried my best to get it out there. We'll call him Franz from now on, okay? And the, the movie is based on Franz's life. And it's uh, one of these really long movies. It took me multiple times to actually sit through and watch it because I think it's like three hours, you know, 10-minute scenes of the Austrian mountains, that kind of a movie. Okay, we call those a film, right? It's one of those films. But it tells the story of Franz who, during World War II, was being conscripted to join the Nazis in the war and to go off and do battle. And Franz was a devout Catholic, actually. And so he did not want to go into war, primarily he was a conscientious objector. He did not want to go and kill someone else. So Franz said, I'm not going. So the authorities came to him and they said, you have to go. There's no real choice. It's either go or you die. And so Franz said, fine, I won't go. And so he stood his ground and was taken into prison from his family and from his a little plot of land that he would work in the Austrian mountains, and he was uh, put in this own castle prison for multiple months till his court hearing came up and then in the movie, it depicts this you know this farmer standing before this panel of, of judges who are weighing out what he 's doing, and the sentence for this act that he 's going to do is death and and in, in the end, and I don't know if this is like true to the story or just part of the movie, but the judge actually brings him into his own office. And he kind of begs Franz. He says, listen, Franz, what you're doing here, just you, a conscientious objector, standing up against this powerful political and military German army. He says, why don't you just sign this paper and say that you'll, you'll join because he says this, nobody will know what you're doing here. Nothing will change because of what you're doing here. And Franz stood his ground, and the true history is that he was pronounced guilty, and he had his head chopped off for the stance that he took. And at the end of the movie, the director's decided to put in there a quote from a George Eliot novel, and the quote goes like this. The growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts, and that things are not so ill with you and with me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited graves. Now that book And that movie are not talking about prayer. But the same applies when it comes to the Lord's prayer and to our own lives of prayer. These are hidden things in our Christian lives. Jesus even encourages us to make them hidden. And through them, they might seem like nothingness. They might seem like, who knows what I'm saying in my head? Or who hears when I'm praying? But God actually works through these tiny, what we call insignificant acts. The message paraphrase says this leading up to the Lord's Prayer. It says, When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it. Quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, is working behind the scenes, helping you out. So when we enter into prayer, we actually enter into a work that is in some ways similar to God's work. Because God is constantly at work behind the scenes, like Twilo was just sharing. You go into a dance class, you go into work, you don't know what God has been doing behind the scenes, working on things. And now here we are, his people, we're called to enter into that very same work, hidden work, the hidden work of prayer. But I don't know about you, but when I think of prayer, I think about a build work in my life. And if I'm the only one that's going to give testimony to this, I'll do it today, okay? I feel like, it feels like when I go running. Now, I've talked about running a few times in here. I am a reluctant runner, okay? I'm not one who just have gone into this 100%. I love it. It's more like, no, I... You know, I want to hopefully stay healthy, and so I go out and run, and I have varying degrees of motivation when I run. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good. And last week I went for a run, and it was really nice, because the weather was good. It's the first time I ran without a on and stuff, so it was wonderful. And I don't wear my glasses when I'm running, so if I've passed you and I haven't said hi, I'm sorry, okay? It's because I can't see faces. But um, I, I was running, and I saw someone coming towards me that was running also. And I couldn't see who it was, but I just thought, okay, here they come running. As it comes closer, I see it's, you know, it's a woman running towards me. And suddenly it was like, she was by me. Like, she flew by me. Now, I know we're going in the opposite direction. I started making all kinds of excuses. I was like, she probably just started, you know. So she's just fresh. She only lives a block away. Or maybe she's younger than me. Very possible I couldn't see her really well, though. Um, But she just flew by me. And it just got me thinking of like, man, some people are just on it when it comes to running, and they're just doing really good. And I think many of us think about prayer in that way, actually. We struggle with the motivation to pray. Many of us do. We are, to varying degrees, good or not good. And and then sometimes we're in the room where someone is praying, and it just feels like, they're just they're like, wow, they know how to do this thing, you know. Uh, whether or not that's true or not, that's, you know, another discussion. But we feel, many of us, if not all of us, like we are failing at praying. Even though we know we are called to be prayers. This is over and over and over again in Scripture. We are called to be prayers. This series that we're doing is not meant to be like a... January membership to a gym or something. Okay, this is not going to be the series that's going to fix your prayer life. If anything, I hope that it humbles all of us in the area of prayer. It brings us low. It allows us to tell ourselves the truth about how poor we really are at praying. And then maybe on the other side of that, God will actually provide for us an opportunity. Tyler Staten, in his book on prayer, he says this, prayer can't be mastered. Prayer always means submission. To pray is to willingly put ourselves in the unguarded, exposed position. There is no climb, there is no control, there is no mastery. This is only humility and hope. So the goal is not to come out of this five weeks as, masters of the Lord's Prayer, and just like mega prayers, suddenly we're just, we've got like a 24-7 ministry, you know, we're just totally dialed up, but maybe, maybe this is the opportunity where we actually grow in this area of prayer in our lives, And, and I want you to be thinking about this over the next five weeks of, you know, what is one step forward that you can take to grow in the area of prayer. One step forward. So many of us have experienced that when we take one step into something new, there's actually growth that happens. We don't always like it. Remember when when you were in school, you go from grade five to six, or you go from nine to 10, and the, the work increases, and you didn't even really have a choice. You just have to roll with this thing. But you are actually in the process, growing and you're being stretched because you are forced to take a step. And then many of us have willingly taken a step. We've gone on missions trips, or maybe we've gone to YWAM, or we've gone to camp, something where we said, I'm stepping out. I'm, I'm going. I'm taking, like, literally I'm going to take one step out the door. And then we have experienced The growth in our lives closer to Christ, closer to other people, more in line with his will for our lives, we are more attuned to what he is doing. So my hope and my prayer in this series is that we would all look to take one step. And so with each sermon over the next five weeks, I hope that's the one thing that is ringing in your mind, God, what's my one step? What is the one thing you are asking of me to, to step into in this time? And then we'll see where that takes us. So, we are going to verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer, but one verse each week, okay? So we're going to like really slow this thing down. And today we see that the verse that we're looking at is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer is recorded in two Gospels, and in ours it just comes in this uh, collection of teachings that Jesus is doing. But in Luke 11, it seems that the disciples, after having seen Jesus preach, it says that Jesus was praying, sorry not preaching, Jesus was praying, and he comes back, then the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. So, It was well known that uh, rabbis in the first century had their own specific teaching that they focused on. There's, There's many different historical recordings of rabbis having prayers that they would give to their disciples. So it's possible that Jesus is taking this prayer and giving it to his disciples as a template for prayer. But it's also possible that the disciples just saw Jesus praying over and over and over again. And finally they were like, man, we can't pray. So Jesus, can you tell us how to pray? Teach us how to to pray like you, to enter into that space of communication with God. And so Jesus gives to them and to us this template of a prayer. So maybe you've memorized this as a prayer as a kid. Uh, when, When I was in elementary school, we used to say it in school together still and it's a great prayer to have and to hold but it's really meant not just to be a prayer that we memorize and have but it's meant to be a template for us it's like you know you on websites where you click on a link and it expands open that's what this is meant to be each phrase each verse as we have it decided is meant to expand for you an opening of an area of prayer. And so that's why we're taking our time to slowly walk through this, because it's meant to be a guide for us in learning how to pray. And the first word is so important, our. Our. This prayer, and and prayer in general, comes within the context of us, that, that God, everything that God is doing is connected to a our component. God is doing something, you know, every day in in your life and in different seasons of your life, but the way that God has designed his people to be is in connection with each other. So when it comes to, to prayer and when it comes to the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, here's how you need to think about it. You need to think about it as a corporate thing that when you pray you are doing it as a people together now we live in the age of the self where what we want is primary and we live in the age where the the selfie was invented okay and now there's um i don't know if you've seen these like ai generated selfies of like jesus and the disciples and stuff like that maybe you've seen that i was like that selfie, that's our idea. That is not first century idea, okay? We are living in the age of self. And so maybe this word our is even more important for us than it was for other generations. I, I don't know. That's, that's a judgment call to make. But we are called to view ourselves as us together. And we are called to speak into each other's lives and to pray for each other. Hebrews says that we are called to exhort one another daily. That's what we're called to do, daily. Man, we don't like anybody to tell us what to do. We don't like God to tell us what to do. We don't like each other to tell us what to do. But we're given the one another's, and in Hebrews, we are specifically told, exhort one another daily. And so when Jesus brings them to prayer, he says, keep on your mind. Like keep as a as first thing on your mind that you are a part of a hour. Because I don't know about you, but my tendency when I pray is to think about me. That's top priority. The things that are connected to my life and that affect me the most. And then maybe like my family. And then maybe another ring of people that are really close to me. And then maybe you guys. You know, it's like the, the rings are further and further going out. And Jesus says. Our, our, you are together as brothers and sisters in Christ. God has brought you into one family. It's greater, it's, it's bigger than just your biological family. It's bigger than the people that are around you. It is our. So what are we then to pray? We are to pray our Father in heaven. And depending on your experience, because all of us... Uh, Rightly and wrongly, we bring our experience to the word of God. And so now Jesus is saying, here's how you relate to God when you pray. You relate to him as your father. And every single one of us have had good and bad experiences of fatherhood. My own experience, my, my own story is that my biological dad uh, passed away when I was eight years old. So I was, I was just a little kid. So when I think of him, I've only got eight years of memories, so every memory is good. I got, like, zero negative memories. That's pretty good. eh? All all the dads in the building are like, man, I wish I could have that, you know? It was like zero zero bad memories, all 100% good memories. That's because there was only eight years, okay? And then I've had my stepdad now for, like, 30-plus years. Uh, 20 plus years that he's, he's been my dad. And so you know he's just had more time to make mistakes, but he's been really good as well. And so my own experience is very good with my biological dad. But even the fact that he died when I was young has influenced my perspective on father and has even changed maybe how I relate in different relationships. Now you may be sitting out there with an experience where your father deeply broke your trust, deeply hurt you in some way, was, was absent at different times, made poor choices that, that deeply affected you. And so when you come to the, the phrase, our father, that's what comes primarily into your view. And it's, it's in many ways a stumbling block to the relationship that God wants you to experience with him. And then there's others of you that are like, I don't want to say it too loud, but my dad was amazing. Like, you know, my father was just such a good example. He's he's everything that I would want anybody else to experience. Deep pain and brokenness on one side. Wonderful example on the other side. Both sides, actually, can miss out on the the biblical view of what God as Father is meant to be because God is meant to be and is greater than all those examples. He's greater than the one that is really hurtful and has broken trust. But let me tell you, he's greater than the, the greatest earthly father that you could have. He is a perfect father. And, and when it's hard for us to understand that and to see that, we are reminded in Scripture that the example that we can look to, okay? So if you think, man, nobody could be better than my earthly father. He's just like the greatest. And there could be no good father because of the experiences that I've had. We are reminded in Scripture to look to Jesus actually as our example in the Gospels, in John 14, the disciples are, are wrestling and they are struggling in that moment. I, I don't have time to explain the whole thing, but they say, you know, what are you doing here, Jesus? What's going on? And Jesus, in his explanation, says, listen, no one comes to the Father but through me. He's trying to comfort them. He says, nobody comes to the Father but through me. So then Thomas, who's really good at asking questions, Thomas says, who's the Father? Like, what's our example of Father, Jesus? And Jesus says, Thomas, listen. Here's what you don't understand yet. If you don't know what the Father is like, all you have to do is look at me. Jesus says, if you have a faulty view of what your heavenly Father looks like, from your own experience, the terrible and the good, Jesus says, here's how you see what the Father is like. You look at my life. We look at Jesus' life. Now, Jesus Had no children while he was here on earth. But he says, you look at my life and you will see what your heavenly father is like. And so in our brokenness, all of us, those of us who are fathers, we know this well. The the mistakes that we make, the inconsistency in our lives. And and all of us who have had fathers, either present or not present in our lives, we all know the earthly example can be really good, can be really terrible, but they're all faulty. And so we look to Jesus, we look to his example of what it's like to be a heavenly father and to pray to him, our father in heaven. Which makes us then children of God. 1 John 3 verses 1 through 2 says this, See what kind of love the father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has, yet, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So John reminds us, he says, God is your heavenly father. And that brings you now into his family as children of God. Perfect father. Now we are children coming into his family. Presence. Nancy Meyers, an author, writes this, Who one believes God to be is most accurately revealed, not in any credo, but in the way one speaks to God when no one else is listening. So let me ask you, when you pray, when you talk to God, do you pray to God as a loved child do you pray to God like he's your heavenly father? Do you pray to him like, like Jesus is by you? And when we see all the stories of Jesus over the gospels, we just think, man, how is there, there's never been another person who's the most approachable, who you can go to with anything. And he says, when you pray, You come to him as a child and you say, our father. Because when we're like children in in the safety of a loving father, some of us have experienced that we're just willing to go to him, to to climb on his lap, to be in his presence, to ask him for anything. Sometimes he says no, sometimes he says yes, but we're just like free to just go in there and do it and ask. And this is the foundation for our Prayer life—it is relational connection with the God of the universe, our Father in heaven. The prayer goes on, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. How often do we have you use that word? You should use that one this week, okay? Just in some context. I don't know. Make holy for it. Hallowed means this. This is coming out of the dictionary. It's to make holy or to be set apart to sanctify, to consecrate, to dedicate. Probably the, the closest we have, a word that is closely connected to it, and that maybe we would use on a regular basis, is to honor. To honor. So God here is honored. He is hallowed. The, the prayer here begins with a relational connection, but then it turns really quickly to like, this is who God is. This is who we're praying to. Someone who is unlike us. Someone who deserves honor. Who is unique and unto himself. And, and this helps us put into our, into our hearts when we actually are praying to him. Before any requests, before any you know, asking of this or that, before any laying of problems, before any confession, he's saying, hallowed be your name. God is like no other. And he says, put this in your words to him. Tell him this. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, you know, when I was thinking about learning to get my driver's license or thinking about going to, you know, driving school and the classes and all this. I was just thinking about driving, you know, the freedom of being on the road, going to places, you know, hand on the wheel. It just, it sounded good, and I just, I want those things, but then what I discovered in my driver's training in the classroom and when I'm driving in the car with the guy, he's got his own brake, you know, it's stopping, and at one point I, I didn't look properly, you know, left, What are you supposed to do again? Left, center, right, back to left. I didn't do that properly. He slammed on the brakes and like yelled at me and said, you need to look properly. I think this was like his way of getting my attention, okay? He's like, you need to do this right. And I did discover that's really important actually. The laws of the land, okay? And um, surviving on the road, those things are all good, okay? Jesus is trying to teach us, to orientate our thinking, to open our eyes to, there's a way actually to pray that is in line with God's will and leads us into a deeper kind of prayer life. And it begins with hallowing the name of God. Most of us are consumed with the list of things that we need to do. And You know, all these things, hallowing God's name, he knows all that stuff already. I affirm it, you know, I thumbs up it, but I got some really important things to tell you, God. And Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallow his name. Now, for me, in all honesty, this is really difficult. And this is what it often looks like. Um, I say something, and then after like, Ten seconds, literally, I'm kind of out of hallowing your name. I got nothing else to say, you know. I've said it a couple sentences, and then I draw a blank, and I either get distracted, or I'm starting to think about the things that I really want to pray about. And so God has actually given to us, listen, because of our weakness, God has given to us the Psalms. And almost every summer as a church, we have gone through the Psalms. It is God's gift to us to help us to pray And so God gives us psalms amazing. Listen to Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt in his name together. Most of us can't go more than 30 seconds Ascribing God greatness. And so we have the Psalms given to us. Use them. Read them to God. He knows all these things, but when we hallow his name, when we honor his name, it sets our hearts in order. It prepares them to hear from him. And it prepares us then also to ask him. We're going to go in the coming weeks to asking And requesting God for things, but when we hallow His name, when we acknowledge who He is, we get this sense of His greatness, His, you know, His ability to do amazing things, and so we can then in turn ask Him for stuff. I remember when we were moving to Elmira, is about six years ago, a little over six years ago. You know, we were looking for a house, like many of you have gone through the experience, and, and we wanted a house. Um, that had four bedrooms, and so we said, hey, let's just pray about it. Let's just ask God. Who knows what God will do? If he gives it to us, great. If he doesn't, that's fine. So we're praying about it, and at that time, the market is starting to creep up, and every by the time, some of you know this experience, every house that came up, it was like, we're kind of in, and by the time you said interested, the house was sold, okay? It was like, it was gone. So we're praying. We're saying, okay, God, we need a house, Man, we'd love one with, like, four bedrooms. So at one point, I go away on a trip. I was doing some stuff. And before I left, Liz said, hey, there's a house. We should look at it. Um, And I was like, eh, it's going to be sold anyway. So, you know, really good attitude, right? And then we fly. I go away. I come back after a week or so, and it's still there. And so I was like, okay, you were right. Let's go look at it, okay? So we go look at the house. It's a house that is full of, like, stuff and junk, and we kind of walk in, and we're like, one bedroom, walking a little bit more, second bedroom, walk a little bit more, kitchen, living room, third bedroom. We look downstairs, full of stuff, like, completely jam-packed. We go downstairs. It's an unfinished basement. We walk down this little hallway because it's full of stuff, so literally we're walking down a wall of things, okay, and we look around the corner, fourth bedroom. We're like, whoa, This is like not a big house, but somehow they tucked in four bedrooms in this place. And so we actually then make an offer. Story ending. We still live there, okay? But God actually provided for us this home with four bedrooms. Now listen. Hear me me clearly. We're going to talk about this over multiple weeks. Not every prayer that we ask for, God gives to us as we ask for it. But when we hallow His name, when we see His greatness, and it it grows in our hearts and minds, when we realize that we are His children, that He is our Father, we go to Him and we ask. We ask. And in the process, God provides for us at times where He gives us what we're asking for. Sometimes He gives us more than we're asking for. And at other times, he gives us grace that we need to answer unmet expectations. Because what we think is actually the right answer, God says, hey listen, I got, my will is different for you. And he gives us grace in the moment. But if we don't hallow his name, if he doesn't grow big in that process, our own will will only be the driving force behind our prayer lives. So, this week, as we enter into this first week of the Lord's prayer, let me ask you: What is your one step that God wants you to take? Maybe it's just saying the Lord's prayer every day this week, listening to it on your phone or something when you're driving. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, hallowing His name in some way, saying a psalm. We've put on our website a few resources that are connected with this series. Uh, they're under like resources. There's sermons and then prayers and we're going to develop that over the coming weeks here but there's just some basic resources on you know first steps of entering into a new season of prayer maybe you ask or maybe you don't ask at all this is maybe just me guessing but maybe you ask how do you come up with like what we're gonna do as a church sermon series is like how did you come up to the lord's prayer here And this one's been on my heart for a while now already, but all I know is I'm, this year I'm 45 years old, and I've had enough years now to be able to look back and just see that God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer. Liz and I have been married for 25 years now and been, you know, done ministry in all kinds of different contexts, and we've seen God answer prayer after prayer after prayer. I've lived long enough to actually see people sustain in prayer for something that they've been waiting for, for year after year after year. And my heart for us as a church is that we would just want more of that. That we would want to see God do more in our midst. Because listen, there is an urgency to what we are about. Hell is a real place. Life without Jesus is a terrible life for eternity. But here's also the hope and the truth of it. Life in Jesus is real. He is is alive. We just celebrated that at Easter. He can change lives. And so he says now, pray with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of the Lord's Prayer. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, work in my heart, Lord, over these next weeks. And Father, help me to take one step forward in my life of prayer. And Lord, would you choose, would you see it fit to use this little church, Citizens Church, to do your will in this town of all the towns that we live in, And may we enter first into a work of prayer to see your will done in our midst. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.